0: Halloween, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to The Horrors of Reenacting, number five. I'm your host, Chris. It's just me here today, and I can't believe this is our fifth annual Halloween special. I've got some really spine-tingling tales for you guys for tonight. Um, some of these stories are spooky tales of the paranormal, things that go bump in the night, and some of them are more prosaic horror stories about when things just go terribly wrong at a reenactment. I've got some listener contributed stories for the first part of the episode. There's some great ones here that I'm excited to read. And at the end of the episode, I will share a uh, bit of a spooky tale of my own that I haven't told before. So without further ado, Let's just jump right into these great listener stories. (laughs) The first two that I'm going to read are from Jakob Grech. He writes, Fort Wayne, Michigan is a 19th century star fort that is mostly abandoned and run down. At an event there, my squad and I decided we would sleep in the original tunnels that line the exterior of the fort, overlooking the Detroit River. There is a tremendous echo in these tunnels, as they're made entirely of brick, and there is absolutely no light inside. Throughout the night, I kept thinking that members of my squad were whispering to each other. But every time I would lift up my head, everyone was asleep. On one of the occasions, I woke up to the sound of whispering. I looked up to see the faintest outline of a person standing in the doorway. Figuring it was one of my men, I scanned the ground and accounted for all my guys. By the time I looked back at the door, the figure was gone. I got up and looked around the room and tunnel to find no one. And even stranger, the whispering had stopped and did not return for the rest of the night. That's a really spooky one. Uh, I really like stories like that. And one of the things that I like about reenacting is that you can spend nights in historic places that are usually off limits to people at night. And uh, of course, over the years, I've heard a lot of spooky stories from places like that, which I I really enjoy. Jakob also writes, at Camp Atterbury 2023 in Indiana, I was tasked by our officer to lead a patrol on the northern flank of our position. The terrain at the site consisted of overgrown fields and thick woods with gravel trails cut through. When the trail stopped, I decided to traverse across the fields to scout as far ahead as possible. The field was a maze of long grass, holes, and soft sand, so it was impossible to tell what you were stepping on. About five minutes in, I suddenly saw a helmet go flying past me. I turned around to see three members of my squad getting swarmed by ground hornets. There were rifles, helmets, and smocks flying through the air, and I've never seen my friends move so quickly in my life. We had to make the trek through the ravenous hornets to collect the thrown equipment and ran for about a quarter mile. After this, we stopped for a breather, only to moments later be swarmed again by a few persistent hornets. When we finally got back to our lines, looking like we had got into the most intense firefight of our lives we reported that pro-allied hornets were covering our northern flank and to not send German patrols that way. I think that's a really funny story. Uh, Definitely relatable. Um, Haven't been attacked by hornets at a reenactment before, but I know how easy it can be when you're in the woods to step on a nest of these things without realizing it, and then all you can do is run for it, I guess. Henry Stracy, Also contributed two short stories he writes uh, a few film related shenanigans for the Halloween podcast I recently attended an event with my pre-war Zeiss contacts too I made some lovely shots of some of the Soviet and German groups there only to realize to my horror that I hadn't attached the film to the take-up spool properly so I was taking photos of nothing That, to me, is a very relatable uh, story. Fortunately, it's not something that has happened to me, but I'm always worried that when I'm shooting film that the film isn't advancing or there's some uh, mechanical malfunction and my carefully posed photos are just, uh, it's just me clicking a button and nothing is happening in there. Henry also writes, Packing up from an event, I thought I had forgotten something when driving off, but thought nothing of it. I realized when I got on the motorway that I had placed my light meter around the side mirror with its lanyard and that it was now banging against the side of my car at 70 miles an hour. Devin Cook writes, Hello, this is not a reenacting story, but it took place on a battlefield where many reenactments occur. I'm friends with an individual who owns a significant amount of land right in the center of where the American Civil War Battle of Shiloh took place. My friend's family has lived on the property since the late 1800s. This friend is in his 80s and has spent a lot of time in the woods walking and exploring parts of the Shiloh battlefield that many of the walking trails do not reach. One evening, I went for a visit to see if he would like to go for a walk, as we've done many times, but when I arrived, his wife informed me that he was not home and had to run to town for a few errands. I asked her if it was OK if I went for a walk myself, and she gladly obliged. My walk was extensive, to the point that the sun had already set. I had my headphones in and was walking along enjoying the cool of the night when I began to smell tobacco. I stopped and pulled my headphones off, expecting that perhaps my friend had decided to come out for a walk once he'd gotten home. He smoked a pipe, so I assumed I was downwind of him maybe, but as I listened, I did not hear anything. I did not hear the sound of leaves crunching as somebody walked. I never heard anybody say a word. I was a little spooked, so I put my headphones back in and kept walking. I had not gotten far when I began to smell liniment and felt the air temperature drop dramatically. At that moment, I decided to end my walk. I never heard or saw anything. And to be honest, I never really felt afraid, but at the same time as I was walking out of those woods, I felt like I could not escape them quickly enough. I got back to my friend's house and told his wife about my experience she asked which direction I had gone in. And when I told her, she just smiled and said, oh, he's experienced the same thing many times. The area you were in was a field hospital where they took the dead and wounded. I have not visited those woods since. Alex Foulet writes, in the summer of 2006, I traveled to Normandy with Liberty Jump Team to do two jumps on the anniversary of D-Day. We did a jump on June 5th near Lafayre Bridge, and then on June 6th next to the Hippodrome in Carentan. Both jumps went great, and I was able to experience something I'd never thought I'd be able to. Now, to the spooks. Upon arriving in Normandy in late May, we stayed at a friend's chateau outside St. Mary Glaser and not far at all from Lafayette Bridge. During our time here, we metal detected and dug up tons of relics, including an anti-tank mine. Based on the relics, this was clearly an area of heavy fighting on D-Day and the days that followed. When we arrived at the chateau, a group of us were all amped up to be in a place with so much history. That first night, my friend Matt and myself got kitted up in all our airborne gear, borrowed some deactivated weapons from our French host, and went for a midnight stroll around the area. We walked over to General Gavin's foxhole, guarded by an easily jumped chain-link fence, and continued down the main road from the bridge. I was walking on one side of the road, and Matt on the other. At one point, I looked over to Matt, and I swear to God, there were six to eight more men dressed in full airborne kit following behind him. I did a double take and these ghostly images were gone in my own head. I just thought it was a trick of my eyes being so late at night and jet lagged. It spooked me enough that I crossed the road to walk behind Matt. We walked about a hundred yards down the road. When Matt stopped, turned to me and said, I know you just crossed the road to walk behind me and I can hear your boots walking behind me, but before you crossed over, I heard the same boot sounds, but more of them. I told Matt what I had seen before I crossed the road, and our blood ran cold. Needless to say, we ran back to the chateau to tell the other jump team members what we had seen and heard. To this day, I'm convinced that we had the spirits of some of the men behind us on that walk. We all had great jumps and open shoots, and I'm sure those men made sure we did. That's a great story. I've never had an opportunity to do any kind of World War II reenacting on a World War II battlefield. That sounds really cool. Um, But I have done some reenactments in the past on other types of historical battlefields. Um, I, I don't really have like a strong feeling about ghosts being spirits of the dead. I mean, I like these stories just as stories. But if we kind of look at these like, well, is this real? I guess it would make sense for paranormal activity like that to be much more likely at an actual historical battlefield, maybe. It's a cool story in any case. Charles Saint writes, We did an event on the actual American Civil War battlefields at Port Hudson, Louisiana. I was a member of the 12th U.S. Regulars. At night, we were allowed to explore the preserved battlefield." A group of us Billy Yanks left camp late at night to tour the old trenches. We went to Fort Desperate and followed the path to the Arkansas Redoubt and Bennett's Lunette. One of our guys brought his camera and snapped a lot of photographs. We did the tour and then we went back to camp. Our photographer went through his images and found one of us as a group. There was, I think, 14 of us, including the cameraman, but he counted and found there was 15 with one guy in the back of the line. At first, they thought the guy in the back of the line was me, because we looked similar, but I told them that I brought a large stick to ward off any threats and carried it throughout our tour. This person in the photograph did not. We were all scratching our heads because this 15th guy followed us around the entire time we toured the field, but didn't come back to camp. Kyle Van Meter writes at one of the last events held at Fort Tabor in Massachusetts, I experienced something frightening as I was attempting to go to sleep. Something screamed my name in my ear. The voice was so damn loud. I thought it was a friend of mine, but there was nobody around. Bill Curtis sent this story in. He says at a reenactment at a place called old Bedford village, I went outside to have a smoke and while I was outside I noticed a shadowy figure walking around the top of the old church there. I watched it walk around for a few minutes and then it disappeared. I checked the church doors and found them to be locked. The next day the doors had been unlocked and so I went inside. I saw that there is no way to walk around in the upper part of that church. The floor up there simply could not support anyone's weight. That wasn't the only thing I saw at that site. Once, while walking back to the farmhouse, I saw what looked like glowing red eyes staring at me from inside the old jail. Inside the farmhouse, on the other hand, I would always get a warm, cozy feeling, like welcoming. I've heard that the schoolhouse there is haunted, too. Some people say there's an energy you can feel swirling around you. This is a great story from our friend Dylan Williams. He writes, I have a friend of mine who was vital in getting me into French World War I reenacting. To repay the favor, I helped him build an excellent Soviet kit for the Logansport event. So, he flew out from the East Coast and we carpooled to the event. And he had a fantastic time. However, something happened at Logansport. The very first year we did that event, it was extremely hot and humid, and the event site was more than a little bit swampy in spots. My friend had purchased a greatcoat, but it stayed on his pack the entire time, since he obviously didn't need it with this heat. I guess he put his pack in a low-lying shell hole or something, and a horde of flies found it. He batted off the flies, weird that they were attracted to the wool coat specifically, but whatever. It is on the way home, however, that we found an entire colony of maggots growing on the coat. We had stopped into Taco Bell on the way home, and seeing all of the maggots wriggling and writhing in the coat put the kibosh on our appetites. It was about an hour and a half drive home from that point, and the whole time I'm just thinking of these maggots getting all over my car. We got back to my house and triple bagged the coat before tossing it in my deep freezer. My friend was flying out the next day, so it only was able to freeze for about 12 hours before he had to pack his gear and go. He got home and found that the bag had managed to hold the miasma in. It was undoubtedly the grossest thing I have ever encountered in reenacting. I'm very much an advocate for bringing out the greatcoat, but maybe not to swampy events now. I should add to the kicker, my friend is a vegetarian. Well, that's absolutely uh, disgusting. Uh, Thank you, Dylan, for the story. That probably tops the list of one of the most gross things that I can imagine happening at a reenactment. Truly horrifying. All right, I've got two more stories here. The first one is from Andy DeCardenas. He tells us a truly frightening tale. Beware all who read. For those that seek to ruin your reputation, lurk behind every corner. We once had a photographer asking to take pictures of us at a public event. This has happened before with others, and we always get great photos back. There was an SS reenactor friend of mine, a really nice guy who has been reenacting for decades, who agreed to be photographed. The photographer offered to send the photos to us after the event. He seemed pretty skilled with the camera. We all thought the photos would turn out great. Lo and behold, the SS reenactor finally gets the pictures back, but the photographer had photoshopped a new background. He photoshopped the reenactor in front of a Nazi concentration camp. Not just any camp, but the infamous death camp that I don't need to mention by name. We were shocked. Needless to say, all absolutely horrified, given the strict, non political, and purely historical nature of our hobby. The SS reenactor gave the photographer a stern talking to, ensured the photos were deleted, and I never saw that photographer at an event again. This is uh, my favorite of these listener stories, and I've saved it for last. It's from Sean Godfrey. He says, We used to have a week-long World War II event in a state I lived in. One year, something weird happened to a friend in me. It was Friday or Saturday night. Time has taken the particulars, but the field kitchen had been late in making food, so by the time I strapped on the pack, it was nearly 10 p.m. It was a long walk to the position everyone was at, along a winding forest route, up and down hills. We set out, just myself and him as someone to make sure I wasn't lost. We were about eight minutes in, walking up and down hills through a pitch-black night, when we had a realization. From the inky blackness, something was following us. It was December, overcast, and a snowstorm had rolled in the night before. Most of the GIs had canceled, and we knew there were but four or five of them just getting drunk in their camp. By all means, we should have been alone. It's worth noting that we were in an area known for its native burial grounds. And not very far off was a place even called Indian Mound, for obvious reasons. We weren't worried at first. Deer are prolific in the area. But, after some time, we realized it certainly wasn't normal for a deer to be following you, much less matching your pace. Not only that, but from the sound of the footsteps, we were both certain that whatever it was, it was walking on two legs. We stopped, it stopped. We walked. It walked. We walked faster. It matched us. Whatever it was made sure it was staying out of sight, just far enough into the void of the forest so that we couldn't see it. After some time, we realized that the crunching of leaves eventually began moving from behind us to our flank and was moving on an intercept in front of us. Panicking, we eventually saw the dim light of a lantern from our comrades' positions and broke into a full sprint. The shuffling and crackling of autumn leaves matched us, but as we got closer to the light, the sound trailed off. We never did catch any glimpse of what was stalking us. I'm grateful that the event hadn't blown up, and that remains the only position we had to deliver the food to. We never found out what it was that had been following us, and afterwards... The site owner refused to discuss it with us. All right, so here's a true story about something that happened to me personally a few years ago. So I used to do a lot of hikes in an area of forest, not very far away from where I live, that maybe 150 years ago was a little village. Um, long ago, this village was abandoned. The old houses fell down or were removed, and all that remains there now are the stone foundations. Uh, the stone walls that were built by the people. And these are very well preserved. The foundations show the big granite sill stones on which the timber frame homes were built. And the stone walls show the outlines of outbuildings and agricultural fields and animal pens. I'm not sure why this place was abandoned, where a lot of settlements really thrived in this region long ago for whatever reason this place did not and the people that lived there chose to move on and go elsewhere and through whatever uh, land changes over time this place eventually became a state forest and is now open to anybody to uh, go in and hike through there although I usually don't see a lot of people in there well one April day Several years ago now, I decided to go there by myself and set up my Zelpon tent just to take some pictures of it. It was a beautiful day. I had nothing to do, and I thought it would be a cool project just to take some neat uh, tent photos in this beautiful forest. So I parked my car. I shouldered my pack with the tent and everything in it that I needed for this little photo shoot that I wanted to do, and I headed into the woods. The walk from where I parked my car to where I wanted to take the pictures was kind of a long one, and it wound past a little stream and up a steep rocky slope that was challenging to navigate, and at the top of that slope, there was a big flat area, and that's where the old abandoned settlement began, and I looked at the cellar holes and the big columns that had once supported fireplaces and chimneys long ago, and um, I kept walking along the road with both sides of this old 18th or 19th century built carriage trail being lined with the stone walls that are so common and typical in forests here in New England. And I looked at the walls as I walked, and as I got further away from those cellar holes, the Walls became less defined. They became more hastily or sloppier built. They became lower to the ground. And eventually I came to a spot on that road where the walls were gone. And when I got to the place where there was no walls, I suddenly developed a very difficult to describe feeling that I don't think I had ever felt before. Basically, I was. I was stricken with terror i felt that i was in danger i felt like somebody or something was watching me Um, this is very unusual i spend a lot of time outdoors by myself looking for arrowheads or doing hikes or even camping stuff by myself i'm very used to being in open spaces or forests or wilderness areas alone Um, but suddenly i had this almost childish fear of being alone out there. And I tried to push it away and, and ignore it. But it was, uh, it was really a remarkable emotion that caused me to walk faster, pick up my step. So I hurried along feeling creeped out for no reason at all. I mean, it was a beautiful, sunny day. It was nothing to be afraid of. And as I continued on, I came to a place where the stone walls on either side of the road resumed again because I was coming up on another part of that settlement. And when I got to the area with the walls, suddenly um, that feeling of being scared was gone. And I really didn't give it another thought. I just kind of pushed it out of my mind and went on with my day. I traveled uh, towards... some more cellar holes and foundations, and I got to the area where I wanted to set the tent up, which was a beautiful flat area surrounded by massive walls. And I set up my tent, and I took my pictures. I enjoyed my afternoon. I was out there for a little while, uh, probably a couple of hours, and realized that I had to be heading back to the car as the sun was starting to go down. As I was walking back to the car, I wasn't thinking at all about the strange feeling that I had had on the way out um, until I got to that place again where there are no stone walls and suddenly that feeling was there even stronger than before a feeling that I was in danger a feeling that I was being watched a fear of being alone there in the woods I moved as fast as I could along the trail and was so relieved to see the walls looming up ahead and to feel that feeling vanish I got back in my car and drove home. I didn't tell anybody about it. I felt embarrassed about it. I probably didn't even really think about it again. Just one of those strange things that happens. Well, my friends and I used to do um, some kit hikes in those woods. Most of the time, the guidelines for these hikes was, was that we would dress as if we were um, prisoners of war who had been discharged from a POW camp um after autumn 1945 and we were trying to make our way home this was a really kind of a fun form of a sort of reenactment adjacent hike the post-war scenario meant that we didn't have to worry about carrying weapons or unneeded gear we could just focus on wearing overcoats um you know, comfortable outdoor, warm clothing as needed and sort of live out of our packs for a day. Um, Sometimes we would have like a a sort of a scenario and then other times it would be kind of more free form and less structured with maybe sort of relaxed guidelines about what would constitute an impression for a given day. And we would take pictures and maybe do some uh, first-person, make-believe stuff, and it would be it would be fun, and it was kind of its own sort of form of reenactment. So um, on one particular occasion, we had a bunch of guys on a weekend who wanted to do one of these kid hikes, and I thought it would be interesting to show these people the old abandoned ghost settlement in the forest. And so uh, we all loaded up into my car uh, with our gear on, and we headed out to the place where we were going to do the hike. So it was a long day in the woods. We covered a huge amount of ground. I arranged it so that we would be passing through the area uh, with the The stone foundations and stuff sort of on the way back to the car at the end of the day it was a really beautiful autumn day we passed some big ponds with beaver dams and the remains of autumn foliage and the temperature was low the air was crisp it was just one of those wonderful days out that you love to spend in the forest And of course, as we're wrapping it up, we're walking back. And now we're walking sort of past the area where I had had set the tent up previously in the first part of the story. And we're walking along the road and we get to that place there where there are no stone walls. And I thought to myself, I had a memory. I thought, oh, wow, this is where that strange, uh, where I had that strange feeling long ago. And the moment I had that thought, I heard a voice from behind me and it was one of my friends. And he said, well, this is kind of a creepy spot, isn't it? And I whipped around right away and I said, why did you say that? And he looked surprised and he said, I don't know. It just, just felt like a creepy place. I said, what's creepy about it? Because the thing about this place is that it's not any more or less creepy than anywhere else in those woods. It's just a path brightly lit with trees. You know, it's not some spooky thing out of a Disney uh, haunted house or anything like that. I said, why, why Why? did you find this place to be creepy? He said, I don't know. It just felt creepy. And I said, it was a creepy place. I don't really know why. And that that's when I told him. About the weird feeling that I had had on the previous occasion and um, I will say since then uh, I have brought lots of other people out there and have always been sort of attuned to this spot and to see if anybody else has any other uh, feeling about it but nobody has ever uh, mentioned to me that they had any kind of a weird feeling there and I have never had a weird feeling there again myself a weird uh postscript to this story was about when we got back to my car that day now because we had gone in my car i had to rearrange some stuff in my back seat so that i could fit uh the people who were coming with us and when we got back to the car i found that my car was locked just as i had left it but inside all of the stuff in the back seat and in the back of the car had been totally moved around like it had been rummaged through and tossed. There was stuff on the floor. Um, there was stuff all over the back of the car. Everyone uh, asserted that it had been orderly when we left. No one was, you know, the, I, I would have seen somebody. If if one of our guys before we left was like scrambling through my things, trying to find something that fell out of his pocket or something like that, I would have seen it. Um, so that was totally mysterious and spooky and then when I turned the key to turn on my car the clock in my car had reset to uh, 12 o'clock and that had never happened before and it never happened again it was just that one time so kind of a spooky uh, story I'm not making any claims about what happened there it's just one of those weird things that happens to a person in their life I guess So that wraps up this episode. Thank you guys for listening. I hope it wasn't too scary for you guys. To all the Patreon supporters, thank you so much for your support. It really means so much to us and we wouldn't be able to do this without your help. If you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, you can sign up at Patreon for as little as just a few dollars a month and if you pay... $5 or more, um, you get access to a special bonus episode that we do record every month. So, guys, thank you for listening. Stay safe. Uh, Don't let the ghosts frighten you too much. And to everybody out there, I'll see you in the field.